0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Hey Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. It's great to be together this morning. Uh, happy Easter! I think uh, my presentation will come up here in just a second. We're uh, the title of the lesson and our theme today is "I Will Rise." As you saw the. The uh, signs outside, and uh, so appropriate, obviously, on Easter. It's been great already just to be together and sing these songs. I don't know about you, but they've really ministered to my heart, uh, just thinking about what Jesus did to, uh, for us, and uh, because of him, we can have amazing grace, as Brian talked about. appreciate Brian sharing vulnerably. Uh, <clears throat> it's, not, it's not easy to get up in front of people who are, you know, a lot of strangers and just tell your stuff, so really appreciate Brian being willing to do that, Um so it's great to be together. We're having a, uh, an Easter egg hunt after church. If you didn't know about that, so if you've got little kids, please stick around for that. Um, shh, don't tell the kids, but Dessa went out and got a new uh, Easter bunny costume this uh, this week. Uh, because I heard the one that we used to have uh, wasn't very good or it was a little scary or a little Donnie Darko-ish. Uh, <clears throat> a few years ago, I showed uh, some, some some funny Easter... Uh, Scary Easter uh, Easter bunnies and so I thought I'd I'd update that and share some newer ones here so before we get started here's a few (laughs) This is actually uh, This is actually one of the ones from uh, from a couple years ago, but uh, I love when I saw this online uh, The (laughs) caption the caption was hilarious the caption was all I want is your soul (laughs) <laughs> it's just horrible oh this one <coughs> i ap- I appreciate uh this one this is uh probably some father you know thought hey I'll make a I'll make my own costume, <laughs> encourage my kids <laughs> made out of a potato sack or something. I don't know <laughs> <This>. <laughs> that one. This one I love because it's old and some about it reminds me of those old remember those old 50s horror movies like <laughs> Return of the Fly or you know something it just that seems like a whole uh, 50s horror movie Whoops I exited sorry can you uh, put me back There we go I gotta tape that button over oh. This one <laughs> I love this one because the Easter Bunny itself is not that bad but it's just that it's <laughs> it's terrorizing the child. <laughs> so so I'll show you. You guys ready to see the one we got for our Easter egg hunt? This, this is the one we got. <laughs> not really, not really. That one is very scary, though. Not sure who that is. All right, so let's bring it back in here. So we're gonna, we're going to be looking at Matthew 27, Matthew 28. Uh, If you've got the South Bay app, if you haven't downloaded it, it's available on, uh, you know, where you get apps. It's called South Bay Church. Just look for our logo. And if you click on the notes section, it'll have the announcements for today and click on more notes and there'll be the the notes for today. If you want to follow along, Uh, the scriptures are going to be in there today. But uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew 27, 28. We're going to be doing a lot of reading today. Just sort of taking in, you know, there was something that the Christians would do very, very early uh, following Jesus risen from the dead. And that's they would just gather on Sunday and remember. And, and and as the scriptures started to be produced and the letters from Paul, they would read these letters. To, they would just get together just to read letters uh, from, from the, the apostles. Uh, they would read these early accounts of his risen from the dead. They would read Old Testament scriptures, obviously. But that was really why they came together to read scripture and remember Jesus. And so we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Uh, just reading what actually happened and and what does that mean for our lives today. So I'm gonna say a word of prayer as we open the Bible and then we'll pick it up in Matthew 27, verse 62. So let's pray. God, thank you to be able to open your scriptures. So amazing how uh, today we can pull it up on our phone. Uh, We can access the Bible so easily. And uh, thank you that your amazing words are so available to us. I pray that we take advantage of that. God, I pray that we allow our, our own hearts to be shaped by your word and we allow our own uh view to be shaped by your truth i pray that you'd really speak to all of us through the word today and we can really understand what it means that jesus rose from the dead it's in jesus name we pray amen amen so uh matthew 27 just to give you the context jesus at this point has already been killed he was he was uh crucified with criminals he died a criminal's death of crucifixion uh, which was a horrible brutal way to die we'll talk more about that in a minute Uh, But then he was buried in a rich man's tomb. And that was an odd thing for a person to be killed as a criminal. And then their bodies should have been thrown uh, with the criminals. like They would just be thrown in a common grave. And yet Jesus was buried in this rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for Jesus' body so he could be buried in this tomb. That really helps us because it gives us more evidence for the risen Lord. But the way that these tombs worked, it would be a family tomb. And it was kind of like a cave uh, in the side of a hill. Um, and then there would be a, a stone that that rolled in front of the of the mouth of the cave to cover it and seal it uh, You've probably seen pictures of this But but it wasn't meant to be just for one person it would be so you would t- if somebody died They would go into the t- they would prepare the body put it in the tomb Then they would leave it in there like on a shelf until it decomposed and then later after the body decomposed They would take the bones and collect them and put them in a box a stone box called an ossuary box and then that box would go on a shelf in the in the wall. And then, you know, so this would tomb would be used by everybody in that family. So that's where Jesus' body was put, and it was in a tomb like that. So then we pick it up in, in verse 62. It says, the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and Pharisees went to Pilate. So chief priests and Pharisees, these are the leaders of the Jewish religion, the leaders of Uh, the religious people, they go to Pilate. Pilate is the Roman governor. So, Rome is ruling all over right now. The Roman Empire is in full force. And Pilate is the Roman uh, governor that's in charge of Judea. So, they go to the governor and they say, verse 63, Sir, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. So, give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body And tell the people he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So it's interesting that even Jesus' enemies knew he said, I will rise. And, and so they knew that we, we know that this is this would be really bad they're saying these are the leaders the religious leaders who felt threatened by jesus and they're the ones that had him arrested and and turned him over to be killed this would be really bad if he wrote, if the disciples stole the body and then this this myth starts that jesus rose from the dead so we need to make this tomb secure we can't allow that to happen now that helps us in our faith because he they say as secure as you know how so the Roman authority made the sec- uh, tomb as secure as they knew how. That gives us faith that he really did rise from the dead because it wasn't just this thing left open. And yes, we don't really know what happened. Could be the disciples stole the body. Could be he rose from the dead. No, they made the tomb as secure as they knew how. And it says they put a seal, that's the Roman seal of authority and, and the full force of, of authority. It, it, it's kind of like today if you see a crime scene and there's the police lines, do not cross. And you cannot go in there. Only in this case, you would be killed if you went in there. So it had total authority of the Roman Empire uh, sealing this tomb. Plus it says they posted a guard. Now when you hear a guard, you might think, you know, one security guard or something. But when it says they posted a Roman guard, that means 16 men. Four of them would be literally standing guard. Uh, and then the other 12 would be sitting in a semicircle around them, taking shifts for three days. So that's, that's, that was the condition of the tomb. Uh, So then let's let's pick it up here in verse uh, 1 of chapter 28. The Sabbath day was now over. It was dawn on the first day of the week. So this is Easter morning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a powerful earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven. The angel went to the tomb. He rolled back the stone and sat on it. His body shone like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. We studied about angels a little bit last week. Uh, We've been doing a series on Daniel if you're visiting with us today, and you can catch up on those uh, on our app as well. But but we talked about the appearance of angels can be so frightening and so uh, amazing. And in this case, this Roman guard—they're afraid of nothing. I mean, you, you don't get into the Roman uh, a career as a Roman uh, soldier by being you know a, a wimpy guy you know or easily afraid. And yet they shook and became like dead men. They're so terrified by this angel's presence. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as what? He said he would. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly. Tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, but they were filled with joy. They ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly jesus met them greetings he said they came to him took hold of his feet and worshiped him then jesus said to them don't be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to galilee there they will see me so just this amazing story the tomb is rolled away is the tomb rolled away so jesus can get out no he's already gone isn't he the tomb is rolled away so we can get in so we can see what happened the angel rolls the tomb away the women go in there they see she's, the angel says see where this is where he was and he's gone later the some of the other apostles come back and they look and they see he's gone and uh, and then he, he meets other, others run into Jesus himself so he is gone the tomb is empty and there's no nobody argues that even to this day everyone agrees the tomb has always been empty so the the the, the question is well why is it empty how did it come to be empty? And we see here these uh, alternative theories presented here in, in verse 11, alternative facts, alternative stories. In verse 11, it says, While the, they were on their way, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city. So the guards, you got to understand, they are in big trouble. Because th- th- this was supposed to be made as secure as they know how, something happened. So they are in big trouble. They report to the chief priests all that had happened. When the chief priests met with the elders, they came up with a plan. They gave the soldiers a large amount of money. They told the soldiers, we want you to say his disciples came during the night. They stole his body while we were sleeping. If the governor hears this report, we will pay him off. That will keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were told. This story is spread all around among the Jews to this day, so there is a conspiracy. How many of you guys like conspiracy theories? I know some of you do. I see it on Facebook. <laughs> there's a conspiracy, and and uh, and, and there's a cover up, and there's money involved, and uh, and 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 the the guards are incentivized because they are again, like I said, in big trouble. So they have every incentive to go along with this plan. The interesting thing to me is the guards come and tell the chief priest what happened. This angel came, he rolled back the stone. There was no body in the tomb. And the chief priests don't go, oh, wow, maybe Jesus really was the Son of God. Oh, maybe it was really true. Their hearts are so hard that even Jesus risen from the dead, even an empty tomb won't allow them. You know, that to penetrate their heart. Even though they're right there in the midst of the greatest miracle, they know the scriptures. You know they know this they know Isaiah 53 that said he would suffer but then he would see light of day you know that the, that God's servant would be killed and assigned a grave with the rich and with the wicked that's a specific prophecy in Isaiah 53 Jesus died with criminals he was put in a rich man's grave but then it says he will see his offspring that God will prolong his days he would come, somehow this person this suffering servant would rise from the dead that they all knew these scriptures and yet it didn't connect for them and So the, the hope for you today is that Jesus' resurrection means something for you. That you don't just let it slip by, or you don't just kind of push it aside, but you let it really resonate with you. This means something. And you you try to process what really happened. What is the truth? What is real and what is fake? Uh, You might have been like me and gotten this message on your phone this week from Facebook. Did you guys see this? Tips for spotting false news. Jay Bryan, it's possible to spot false news. As we work to limit the spread, check out a few ways to identify whether a story is genuine. Facebook's gotten in trouble because there's, there's this huge thing of fake news right now. Uh, I saw a 60 Minutes episode on this last Sunday, uh, or it might have been from the Sunday before, I'm not sure. But there are, there are people who that's kind of their whole thing. They come up with some salacious idea, some salacious headline. Then they buy, you can buy followers on Twitter or buy bots you know, that propagate it. So then it looks like a real story. Then it gets picked up by twitter and then it gets spread all around as something that is absolutely 100 percent false and and that stuff gets spread on facebook and so facebook is trying to give us tips for kind of going wait is this true or is this not true and there's 10 different tips on it and you know maybe you've been <coughs> guilty of spreading something and then realizing later it wasn't really true and i remember back in the early days of the internet that would happen a lot you remember the Snopes? Uh, you could go to Snopes.com to see whether it was true or not. You know the thing about the guy's kidneys getting stolen and all that kind of stuff. You, oh, I can't believe this happened. You know, and it spreads around, and oh, it was just made up. But that is huge right now. Why? Because our world is one in which there is no absolute truth anymore. And you know, it's probably always been that way. You know, the the uh, authoritative sources of news, uh, you know, the, it's always been you know dicey as well. Uh, you know, I, I learned this myself in, in college because, the, you know, a, a major news organization did a story on our church and they interviewed people. And you could just see, like, they would take totally out of context what they said. They said stuff about the, the church that was half true, but a lot of falsity. That, that You know, why? Because salacious sells. And so we are in a position of having to decide for ourselves what is really true. You know, everything that you know, everything that you've ever heard, you either experienced yourself through your senses, which is a few things, but a lot of it you accept from other people. Right. And so we got to be thinking people, why do I believe what I believe and, and do I believe it? And, and, and using these, some of these tools that, that Facebook said, I'll just read you a couple of them. I won't read all ten, but one of them is be skeptical of headlines. You know, you kind of you go, wait, wait a minute, let me, is this really true? And I think with Jesus raising from the dead, that's, that's a crazy idea. So it's okay to go, wait, did he really rise from the dead? I want to investigate this. That's the second one. Investigate the source. Number three, check the evidence. Number four, some stories are intentionally false. Now, all of that is true when it comes to religion. All of that is true when it comes to Jesus and whether he really rose from the dead or not. So I just want to challenge you to check it out on your own. See if it's really true. See if it really happened. There's a new movie coming out called Case for Christ. That's what the whole thing is about is Did Jesus really raise from the dead or not? You know, you can can say, uh, you know, either he rose from the dead. That means everything he claimed was true. He claimed to be from God. He claimed to be the son of God. He said, when you see me, you've seen God. I am God in human form. He said, before Abraham existed, I am. He gave these I am statements. He made himself equal with God. That's why they killed him. He made bold statements. He said in John 14, I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so you can believe okay jesus rose from the dead that means all of that is true or you can say you know what all all history says jesus existed all of history says the tomb is empty but i think he was insane he was crazy he was nuts he was a liar he was a lunatic it's all fake but what you can't do is say oh yeah jesus is a good teacher he's moral all religions are kind of similar. They all uh, express the need to have a moral life. Uh, and Jesus is just one of those sort of sages and one of those kind of teachers. You can't do that. Right. Because when you really look at the evidence, when you really look at what Jesus claimed and what his followers claimed, there's no middle ground. You know what I mean? Are you with me? Uh, there's a there's a great quote from, uh, I'll read you from, uh, let me see if I can find it here. I'm kind of out of... It's from C.S. Lewis. Oh, here we go. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If it's true, if Jesus really rose from the dead, there is nothing more important. There is nothing more important than eternal life. There is nothing more important than, than where you'll spend eternity. Or if it's, if it, if it's false... It, it, it has absolutely no importance whatsoever. Just throw it all away. But it can be moderately important. It's either everything or it's nothing. And I'm not saying, like, right now today, you have to, you know, you're going to get baptized today. You have to decide. I'm just saying you're going to have to come to that point. And you know, if, if this is all new to you and you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, Amen. Take your time. You know, you're welcome to come and and find out more about it. But that's where this is all headed. I just want to tell you up front. This is a Huge significance. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, what I received, I passed on to you. And this is the most important thing of all. This is, this is the, Paul says, this is my whole message. This is of the most important thing. This is the, the center of Christian teaching. It's not just that you live a moral life. Here's what it is. Christ died for our sins, just as scriptures said he would. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said he would be. He appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the 12 apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them are still living. In other words, they're still around. You can ask them. They saw him. But some have died. He appeared to James. That's Jesus' brother. (coughs) Then he appeared to all the apostles. Last of all, he also appeared to me. I was like someone who wasn't born at the right time. In other words, I got, I got included in late, but amen. I, that was great for me. So Paul says, this is, this is the primary message. Jesus died for our sins. That is different than any other world religion. You know, there's a lot of world religions that do have a lot of truth and they do have a lot of morality. But the difference with Christianity is, yes, here's the, here's the objective. Here's moral truth. Here's how we should be. But you're not going to be able to be. You are going to mess up. No matter how much you try to live a righteous life, you will fail. You could never prove uh, your own worth by your deeds. You could never do enough good things to earn salvation. We all know that intrinsically. We all know that we need a Savior. We all know that we've messed up. We all know that we've crossed that boundary line and there's kind of no going back. But that's the amazing thing about Jesus. He paid the price for our sins, He died in our place. He took the penalty that was supposed to be ours. And we, you know, we'd love to, if, you, if that's new to you, we'd love to, to share more with you about that, you know, opening the Bible and looking at, what does this mean, Jesus died for me? What, what does that really mean? And, and talking about it in a practical sense. But because he died, that means that we can be forgiven because he died on the cross. And, and so the, these men that after he rose from the dead, these people that he appeared to, everything is consistent with the fact that he really did raise from the dead. In other words, if the disciples had stolen the body, like like this false uh, news that was spread around, first of all, there was no motivation for them to do that. They, at the point that Jesus died, after he died, they had given up hope. You know, you see him in the stories as he's uh, being on trial and as he's being killed. This, all of his followers, they scatter. They are afraid. Uh, they, you know, Peter is so afraid that he tells this little servant girl that he's not one of Jesus' apostles, he's not from Galilee, and he curses at her. You know, he's so afraid. That's what the apostles, that's the condition of the apostles. And yet after Jesus raises, raises from the dead, it changes everything. They become so bold. They become so full of faith. They go, all of them, to their death. They go to martyrdom. They go to, they're tortured. They're killed. They're, they, it's all of the force of the Roman Empire against this little bitty group of people that claim that Jesus rose from the dead. That's consistent with something that really happened. That they really saw with their own eyes. And Jesus, uh, or I mean, Peter says, we're not following cleverly invented stories in, in 1 Peter 1. We, we didn't make this stuff up. We, we didn't even believe this stuff. But it happened. We can't help saying what we've seen and heard. Our eyes have seen it. Our hands have touched him, John says. We, we're just telling you what, our own, what we witnessed. We don't fully understand it. But we saw the risen Lord. And, and so they, they testified to that and, uh, and nothing could keep them quiet about it, no, even though they were persecuted. And, and, and sure, there's been people through history who've been willing to die for something they thought was true, but was actually a lie. That's happened. But no one dies for something that they know is a lie. No one dies for something that they're in a position to absolutely know is a lie. Uh, and, and, and all the apostles gave up and, and all the early so many of the early Christians gave up their lives uh, and they had seen Jesus you know there's a couple skeptics that turn to believers it says here he, that Jesus appeared to John uh, to James James was his own brother who didn't believe in him even throughout Jesus's whole earthly ministry you know James saw Jesus uh, do miracles uh, James saw these amazing things happening and he still didn't believe in Jesus uh, until he rose from the dead and then everything changed and 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 that's not that un- you know, hard to understand. If you think about it, what would your brother have to do to convince you he was the son of God? <laughs> you know, he would probably have to raise from the dead. <laughs> and that—that that is, in fact, what happened. And James becomes this powerful leader in the church. He, he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he is, on a, you know, with the apostles. They are the leaders of the early church. James is transformed. Paul is another one. Paul was the enemy number one of the church, persecuting the disciples, throwing him into prison, having them killed. And yet when Jesus appears to him in risen form, then everything changes for Paul. And he becomes one of the key leaders and the, the number one author of the New Testament. So much of the New Testament was written by Paul and we have his letters and amazing church planter and all, you know, everything changed for Paul when he encountered the risen Christ. There's a newer theory nowadays that's, uh, is called the swoon theory, and I'll share with you what that is. That's the idea that well, maybe Jesus didn't really uh, die. He he just was like mo- like in Princess Bride, he was mostly dead. <laughs> he wasn't actually dead; he was just mostly dead. That is, if you study crucifixion and and what Jesus, and, and the record and what the the information we have, that is such a ridiculous idea. Just to give you a little little bit of of why. First of all, Jesus is flogged and crucified, and that is kind of rare. Um, usually, someone would be either killed or crucified. Uh, some scholars think that maybe Pilate had Jesus flogged, thinking, okay, now the crowd will be satisfied, and then I can let him go. But then they still shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because flogging, just uh, I'll read you a, a quote here from uh, Eusebius. This is from the third century. He says, in, in flogging, the veins were laid bare... The very muscles, sinews, and bowels of the victim were open to exposure. I mean, this wasn't just whipping, it was whipping with, with the, the cat of nine tails with the, with, with the sharp objects on the end, and it would tear a person apart. So Jesus would, and that usually could kill someone or leave them close to death. So Jesus was flogged first, then he was nailed to the cross, and, and being nailed to the cross, these iron spikes are placed in the hands at the wrists. And the victim is it's hung up on on a post it's it's meant to be they're meant to be a sign of disgrace like you look at a sign and you, that's why they post above their head what they did it's just a public mockery of this person and everybody comes by and mocks the person as they're hanging there and they could hang there for days because you don't lose a lot of blood from these areas and so someone could hang there for a long time uh and, and in jesus's case Uh, you know, he'd already been flogged, so he was probably close to death when he was already hung up there. But the way they would end the crucifixion is they would break the legs of the victim. And when they broke their legs, then they couldn't push up anymore and get a breath. And so they would die of asphyxiation. They wouldn't be able to breathe anymore. And so in the account, it it says that the the Roman soldier broke the legs of the criminals to end it because they wanted to end the crucifixion. But he came to Jesus and he was already dead. And the Roman soldier wanted to make sure, again, this helps us, it helps our faith to know he was actually dead. The Roman soldier stuck a spear up into Jesus' body, into his heart, through his side, into his heart, and out came uh, blood and water, John says. And we know from medical evidence that after a body dies, the blood begins to clot, and so it separates into blood clot and, and, and watery serum, and that's what comes out. So we know Jesus had already been dead for a while at that point. Plus, if anybody knows is able to make sure somebody's dead it's a roman soldier and uh and and that's not the end of the story they take down the body uh they have to pry out these spikes they have to take the body and 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 carry it to this tomb uh joseph of arimathea and nicodemus and the women take jesus body put in the tomb if there had been any sign of life they would have known it uh and and so the swoon theory is, is is ridiculous you know, we're here because we believe Jesus really rose from the dead. And that makes all the difference. And that means everything. You can't, you can't say, well, you know, Jesus was a good teacher. Maybe he rose from the dead. Maybe he didn't. Look what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians a little bit farther down. 1 Corinthians 15. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith doesn't mean anything. Your sins have not been forgiven. Those who've died believing in Christ are also lost. Do we have hope in Christ only for this life, then people should pity us more than anyone else. But Christ really has been raised from the dead. And he is the first of all those who will rise from the dead. You know, it, it is being a Christian is a is a great life. And you know, if you're if you're new to this and if you're visiting with us, I encourage you to keep coming back and just try putting some of Jesus' teachings into practice and see if it doesn't work. You know, the Bible really works. And being a Christian is a great life, but it's not for this life. And if that's why you're trying to be a Christian, you'll be tested in that. You'll be like, wait, I thought my life was supposed to be easy now. I thought I was promised to get a husband or wife in the kingdom, you know, or I thought that I would be able to get money. And, you know, Brian Voss said I'd get a new car and I'd be able to get a (laughs) career. (laughs) Just kidding, Brian. God does give us all these blessings, you know, because we're His kids and He loves us. But that's not the point. The point is, we're on our way to a future existence. There is a future bodily resurrection to come. Uh, Paul says, He is the first of those who will raise from the dead. Because <laughs> at this time, people were being killed for their faith. Paul says, if we're just, we're just doing this for this life, we're, we're a sad group. We're to be pitied above everybody. But no, no, Christ has really risen from the dead. And, and so we all face a bodily resurrection. And you can say, well, that sounds crazy. Uh, you know, somebody being dead and then risen to life. I don't know. I don't get that. That sounds ridiculous. I, I feel skeptical about it. Well, you know what, what helps me is the more I realize, the more I study science, uh, and the more I realize really all that we even know and understand, and, and what we take and, and see as matter and as physical and as real, is all just sort of fundamentally theoretical anyway. You know all of reality is really just a bunch of relationships that are ordered by math. There's there isn't really anything real. You know the more you those of you who are scientists you know what I'm talking about. You know you study quantum mechanics, you study physics, it's all a bunch of mathematical relationships. It's almost like the more that science looks at the it's like being in a video game and looking to where you see the code itself. That's kind of the point science is at and they're going, "We don't understand why is all of creation built on math? It looks like a mind made this." Why is everything in the universe so perfectly fine-tuned and ordered to be, to be, for us to be here? Because you're looking at God's creation and what He made. If God created that whole universe, God can, can rebuild bodies. God can, can reinstitute life. God can do whatever He wants, right? I mean, even those of us who are parents, I mean, it's pretty mir- miraculous that there's a little one or two cell, you know, few cells in a body, and now it's a human being. You know, you ever think about that? I, that? when my first son was born, it's like you know, you know he's he's real. You know, he's a he comes out. It's like that's a human being that just came out. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a physicist that says when he talks about resurrection. This physicist says, uh, this is John Polkinghorn. He says God will download our software onto His hardware until the time He gives us new hardware. To run the software again for ourselves (laughs) now this is a physicist trying to understand you know that that's that's the nature of resurrection and if you want to know more uh steve is going to be talking about this next week we're starting a series next week called faq frequently asked questions and steve's topic next week is what happens when you die so he's going to be uh trying to give some answers to that store or that question but the implications of resurrection just to close out here uh, so, picking up where we left off in Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some still had their doubts. Then Jesus came to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. So you must go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and you can be sure that I am always with you, to the very end. You know Jesus has them go ahead of them into Galilee as we read about. Galilee is about 100 miles north of Jerusalem where he was killed. And Gal- Galilee is where Jesus' most of his earthly ministry has, had been. Where his friends were and the families. And so he has, has them go to this mountain. Some people think it's this mountain right here. This is Mount Arbel. And you can see the, the view from up there. You know so picture Jesus and his disciples up there. You know, looking out over the Sea of Galilee, looking out into Palestine. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I am who I said I was. Uh, I told you I would rise. I did rise. You know, it's all true. But it's funny that even in the midst of that, you know, they're there. They're seeing the risen Lord. What does it say? Some still, some still doubt it. And, and I don't know about you. That gives me a little bit of encouragement. Because we're going to struggle with doubt. I mean, these guys are right there. It's Jesus himself, but it's still so unbelievable. They're like, oh, I just, I don't know. I think, how, how is this possible? And, and, and so as followers of Jesus, you can, you can be a follower. You can be a disciple. You can, you can commit your life to Christ and still wrestle with doubt along the way. You know, I love the prayer of the, of the man who Jesus is going to heal his, his daughter. And he says, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We have to wrestle through doubts and I'll, I'll just share you know what helps me is 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 look i love reading science i love reading uh, uh, apologetics things about science i love scientific evidence i love reading about biblical evidences fulfilled prophecies um, that helps me with my doubts the witness of changed lives seeing how god's plan really works in flesh and blood that just builds my faith and we're going to hear a flesh and blood story here in w- in one second but just the fact that God's way works and the world's way doesn't and seeing that affirmed over and over and over again, that helps me with my doubts. And then my personal relationship with God, praying to God, seeing God answer specific prayers, feeling God, you know, in the moment with me, seeing God, uh, you know, bring blessings into my life that only he and I know about it. You know, I those secrets with God. It's like, oh, God, you just did that. Like, there's no other way. I love that stuff. But all those things affirm our doubts. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. This is not something just for you now that I've risen from the dead. This is something for everyone. This is for all people, for all time. And that's why we're here today. That's why people were here early getting set up, you know, plugging in sound equipment early this morning, putting, putting refreshments out there, you know, gathering together on this Easter Sunday because we want everybody to be disciples. We want everybody to be followers. A disciple means a student, a follower, a learner not just somebody who goes yes I believe in Jesus Uh, forgive me but I'm gonna keep living my life however I want to live that's not what Jesus says he says make disciples baptize them teach them to obey everything we we are to be people who we live out Jesus's teachings in our lives it is a free gift of grace but in response we go okay now I'm gonna give you my life now I'm gonna live for you now I want to be a disciple and I want to follow and I want to learn and we would love, you know, if you're a guest today, we would love for you to understand more of what that means to be a disciple. You just look at a, a word study of the word disciple and it'll blow your mind uh, of how practical it is what it really means and how it gives purpose and meaning and value to your life. When I studied that, it, it gave because I felt like I was religious, but I didn't have a power in my life. I was a, a religious enough to be guilty all the time. Yeah. <coughs> and studying discipleship, it, it, it like opened the door. Okay, I see why it hasn't worked for me because I haven't really been doing it the right way. I haven't been following with all my heart. I haven't been a disciple. I never knew what a disciple was. So we'd love to, to help you understand what a disciple is. And it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have an awesome team that's going to get baptized today. Uh, Gigi Aquilina is going to get baptized. And... What baptism is, and baptism is really important. It's that that's the point where you make Jesus Lord of your life. Romans 6, 4 says, so what baptism is, is just like Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the ground and rose again. So when we're baptized, we die to our old self, Romans 6, 4. We're buried underwater for a few seconds, hopefully not too long. And then we come up a new person. We come up a new life, a resurrected life. And so that makes all the difference in how we live. You know, Easter morning is, is not just about Easter morning. Easter morning makes every morning difference. Because Easter morning means that our old self has been killed, and our new self is living in Christ, and we're being sanctified along the way, and we're on our way to a new resurrected life, a new future, a new heaven, a new earth, a new body. As we sang about, no more sorrow, no more pain, but living in a risen world, living in a, an Easter world. Right now, the world is still a Good Friday world. The world is dark. The world is ruled by the the, the authorities that are are trying to kill and trying to destroy. But we are Easter people in that Good Friday world. But the Easter world is coming. Right now we're gonna hear a personal testimony about uh, the resurrection and what it means in our flesh and blood, everyday lives. We're gonna get to hear from Tony and Deborah Scott. They're gonna share a little bit and then we'll have communion together. So let's give them our full attention.